Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Crazy start to Moses' life in ministry there in Exodus chapter 3. But today, uh, I want to talk about the end of the book of Exodus, this long journey. In fact, uh, the last 15 chapters of the book of Exodus cover a essential theme. But before we dig into there, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, this band that goes by the name of Kiss. Any Kiss fans in the house? Okay, yeah. You thought that was a trick question. You're like, no, no, I'm not going to fall for that. Sinners listen to Kiss. Uh, so anyway, I was uh, watching a documentary about the, the Kiss band, and uh, it's amazing because they were uh, um, interviewing one of the managers of the band, and uh, he gave some insight into uh, the rider form. Um, so this is a, a list that a band will give to every venue that it plays, and this is what the, the venue has to provide in order for the band to come in and do a show. And it has the list of cables and microphones and speakers and batteries and all that kind of stuff. But it also has a list of things that the band wants inside of the hospitality room. This is the, the backstage room where the band gets to hang out before and after the service, often called the green room. And uh, so it was all of their favorite food and drinks and everything that they wanted to have. Well, one particular thing on the list that I thought was, was really funny is uh, the manager uh, demanded that inside of the, the, the hospitality room for the band, there needed to be a large glass bowl of green M&M's. And, and this is the, the, when the manager would walk into the facility, he said, the first place I would go is I would walk into the hospitality room and make sure that there was a large glass bowl of green M&M's. Not mixed M&M's, just green M&M's. You got to remember, this was back in the day pre-Amazon where like if you wanted a bowl of green M&M's, you had to buy M&M's and separate them. Like you can buy a whole bag of green M&M's now. But, but, but in, and so the guy asked him, he was like, don't you feel like that's kind of needy, right? I mean, these guys are divas. I know this is Kiss and the makeup and the tongue, but come on, man. A, a whole bowl full of green M&Ms. And he said, well, let me tell you why I did that. I would immediately walk into that hospitality room, and if there was not a bowl of green M&Ms sitting on the counter, uh, we would not do the show that night. And he said, here's why. Because on that list that I sent that had the green M&Ms on it, we're also a list of a lot of important things. Like all of our shows have pyrotechnics. And so there's explosions and fire that will happen in and around the stage. And part of the show is uh, hooking the, the band up to cables and suspending them, swinging them over the audience while they play the guitar. And he said this, he said, if, if you skipped over the green M&Ms, I wonder what else you skipped over. Because like the green M&Ms really don't matter, but... If you took a shortcut on the pyrotechnics, then an explosion could happen and the first five rows of the audience could get really hurt. If you didn't pay attention to the green M&Ms in the bowl in the hospitality room, then what makes me think that you did the work to make sure the safety harnesses were in place so that when we put the guys 100 feet above the audience playing their guitars, that they're not going to fall? See, it really doesn't have anything to do with the M&Ms and being all green with a glass bowl in the middle of the hospitality room. It shows me that you paid attention. It shows me that details matter. 
And when it comes to the life of the musicians and the safety of the crowd, details matter. That writer form matters. So I need for you to look at every single line of that form and make sure you did everything correctly. The last 15 chapters of Exodus uh, are all about building the tabernacle. It's building this portable church, this venue that people are going to come in and worship God. And there's a, a long list of things that ultimately, it almost reads like it's a, it's a list to Home Depot. Like it's a bunch of supplies and, and things that, that they want that, that God says, this is what you need. This is what we're going to have as a part of this. Now, I've read all 15 chapters. There are no bowls of green M&Ms in here for the hospitality room. But there are a lot of weird details. I mean, like little things that might make you scratch your head and, and ask yourself, like, why is that in the Bible? Like, like a shopping list, like a, a, a blueprint for the whole thing. So here's the blueprints for it, all of the, the details that they're going to need. Everything down to like the measurements of the wood. Like there's going to be some wooden posts in the middle of the tabernacle. And, and they're going to have to be a certain length high and, and a certain width and, and a certain color. And actually they're going to have to be made out of a certain type of wood. Not just any wood, but a, a very certain type of, of, of wood. All of these measurements and details that God outlines and like down to the specific length and width in the, in the type of wood. God even had special instructions for what kind of clothes the priests would wear. Like they had to have a certain kind of robe with a certain color that looked a certain way. And as a pastor, like I'm reading these 15 chapters and it's, and it's reading like how to put together a Lego castle or something. And so like this week I'm looking at that and I'm like, how are you supposed to preach this? Like what, what, there's, a cha- there's a verse in chapter 38 that says, that says this, um, that the curtains, they're going to be 10 curtains inside the temple. They're going to be 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. So now go and apply that to your life. Be more like Jesus this week. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go home and change my curtains? Like, are my curtains the wrong size? Are my curtains dishonoring God right now? Like, I don't know. We don't even have curtains in here. Are we missing something? Like, what, what's the purpose of a long list like this? And, and this is the time where maybe some people will read the Bible and read all these details, and it, and it, and it begins to, like, make them scratch their head and be like, you know, maybe this is just an old book. This, this has nothing to do with my life today. This has no relevance for, for our lives. And like, we're in Winston-Salem in, in 2021. Like, what does this have to, what do 42-foot curtains have to do with us in our relationship with God? And so what I want to do today is I want to show you in these last 15 chapters some of the meaning behind the numbers the meaning behind the measurements. Who cares what the curtains are made out of and what type of wood the posts are and how many pegs it's going to take to hold the rope that secures this whole structure. Like, who cares? Why does any of that matter? And I want to break that down for you. And historians tell us that this, this setting was actually a, like almost a big, a nice tent. Um, it was portable. It was 45 feet long, 15 foot wide, and 15 feet tall. Like, so this is not a small undertaking here. And the, the biggest thing that I noticed right out the bat is, is this. you got to remember, the Israelites didn't have a home yet. And so when God told them to build this church, this portable church, it was just that. It was portable. They had to build something, and every, when, every time they traveled, they would have to break the whole building down and pack it up and load it up and move it 10 miles, 25 miles, 50 miles, 100 miles, 
And then when they got there, they would have to build it again. Unpack it, set it all up. Some of you have been rolling with Revo long enough to remember when we were a portable church. And like everything we owned was on the back of a 28-foot U-Haul. Sound, mics, like guest services, kids ministry, everything we had. And every Sunday morning we'd have to set up. Six o'clock we'd meet at the Children's Museum, set everything up. Uh, Then it'd take us about an hour and a half after the service to break everything down, load it up in the U-Haul, take it. And when you brought it out, like, you never knew what got broken. I don't know, like, gremlins, goblins got in the U-Haul over during the week. And you'd pull stuff out, and it would be broken, and you couldn't get it to work. And I was just like, God, are you really calling me to this? (laughs) Like, I want to do something else right now. But we, we stuck with it. And so, like, I get it. Like, portable church, like, they're asking these people to set this up and tear it down every time we move. Why in the world would God do that? Why would God include all these instructions, like meticulous things? Why didn't he just wait until they got to the promised land? Like once you get into your new place, then you can build a permanent facility and it'll be awesome. Why did he demand all these measurements and specifications and what does that have to do with us? And here's what I've concluded as a result of these 15 chapters that read like a uh, Home Depot list. God cares about worship. That's why he laid everything out. God knew that these people would be in the wilderness wandering for 40 years. It took them 40 years to get from Egypt to their permanent homeland. And God says, we're not going to wait 40 years to make worship a priority. I'm not going to wait 40 years to be able to connect with my people in an intimate and a meaningful way. And so right here in the midst of the move, wherever we go, wherever we stop, worship is going to be a priority for us. And so over these next few chapters, he lays out, and and we're going to be in chapters uh, 35 today, the kind of the back end of this collection of of instructions that God gives. And I want to give you three three really pieces to worship. God says there's there's a worship puzzle that I'm putting together here, and there's three pieces that I want you to understand. And he outlines all of them, kind of pulls them all together in chapter 35, these three pieces of worship. Before we get into it, though, let me just hit the pause button, because when I say worship, some of you think of what we just did. It's the singing, it's the music, it's the instruments. Like, when I go to church, there's the worship, and then the dude speaks, and then there's a little bit of worship. There's like half worship on the end, one song, and then we leave. That's not what God's talking about here. He's not talking about instruments. He's not talking about singing. He's not talking about music. See, God has a, a very different holistic view about what real true worship is in your life and in mine. And so he's going to outline it here in chapter 35 if you have your Bibles. Let's start in verse 1. Here's the first piece of the pie, the first piece of the puzzle that, that Moses outlines. Uh, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community, everybody, every single one of them. And he said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded for you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Wow. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. First aspect of worship that that Moses talks about here that God outlines, jot this down. Number one, Moses says we worship with our time. That's going to be a key component, a key aspect of your relationship with God, is we worship with our time. God had so much insight into where we were today. It's amazing. God knew that society would reach a point where we were so busy that we worked so much 
that we did so many things that eventually we would work God out of our lives. Eventually, we would not become satisfied with just working a 9 to 5 on Monday through Friday. Eventually, it would bleed over into the other days. And and, and eventually, it will reach a point where our society champions this idea of you better be busy, and you better be working, and you better be grinding and hustling. And it's not good enough to have one job. You need a side hustle as well because you got to make that money and you got to advance your career. And God said the first thing that we got to do is we got to learn how to worship God with our time. God said, we're going to work six days a week, but on that seventh day, we're going to hit the pause button. And there's a lot of other things that we could be doing, but on that seventh day, we're going to worship God. We're going to prioritize getting in the room together and worshiping and, and praising him and encouraging one another. And that's what Moses says. So guys, he said, Monday through Saturday, you're going to work. You've got to remember this is an agricultural society. So working for them was working sun up to sundown. Sun up to sundown, you are going to work six days a week. But on the seventh day, we're going to stop. On the seventh day, we're going to worship with our time. On the seventh day, we're going to pause everything else and we're going to prove to God that he matters to us. He matters more to us than chasing the next promotion. He matters more to us than that bonus, than the next raise, than the better job, than the side hustle, than the career advancement. Like, God, I'm going to make a statement with my life right now that on that seventh day, I'm going to stop and I'm going to prioritize you. The first piece of the worship puzzle that God says is you got to understand this, it's going to be about time. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, you know, our culture is different, right? Like we live in a culture where it's hustle. And my boss expects me to be on, we got internet now, my boss expects me to be on all the time. i got to answer emails and stuff. You know, Moses didn't have a cell phone. Somebody couldn't get in touch with him anytime he wanted. But obviously you see the value that God places on work. He says, man, I want you to work. 100% I want you to work. I want you to work hard. Six days a week. Like, we live in a culture that works five days a week, nine to five. And God's like, you guys are taking it easy, man. Come on. It's six days a week, sun up to sundown. That's how you work. That's how you get the job done. But remember, on the seventh, we're going to hit the pause button. So you can work hard and still prioritize God in your life. And that's the first piece of worship. Verse 4, he shows us the second piece. Uh, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, again, talking to everybody, not a single person was left out of this conversation. This is what the Lord has commanded. For what you have, out of it, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring it to the Lord, an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins. Anybody got any goat hair? Ram skins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. Second thing that we do, maybe, maybe you missed it. God, or Moses says, number one, we worship with our time. Number two, we worship with our treasure. There's three of these, and they all start with T. I do that because I love you guys. Worship God with our time. Worship God with our treasure. Again, he says whole community. Everybody's a part of this. Everybody's on the team. It's like a family. Everybody contributes. But I love how uh, Moses breaks down the different options. You may read this and think this is just a random list of things that are listed that people can 
bring and put in the offering basket? I don't know, like, what's the deal here? But this is actually designed to symbolize a very wide range of gifts because Moses knew not everybody in the whole family has the same amount. Some people are more wealthy than others. And so he looks at some people and says, some of you can afford to give gold and silver and bronze, like these precious metals. And if that's you, then give generously. But he says there's also some people in here that, like, he gives a more practical gift. He's like, some of you, you can bring in olive oil because the oil is what lights the lamps inside the room. So he's like, man, some of you guys are going to be chipping in on the electric bill. <laughs> Like when you get, I love it that, that Moses didn't separate any of that. He's like, all of it when it comes to giving to God is a, is a holy thing. Like nothing is throw away or insignificant when you bring to God. So some of you might have some spices in your cabinet, and they're like, we're going to put that in the bathroom as an air freshener right there. And it's going to be, not, and that's your, going to be your gift. You don't have any gold. You're not rich. You don't have any bronze to give, but, but you can give that. You can go to your kitchen and get spices and oil and offer that as a sacrifice to the Lord. And then, like, I don't know, I love this. He was just like, and then for the rest of you that don't have anything, goat hair, right? Everybody's got an animal at home. Go home, shave it, put the hair in a bag, bring it here, and we'll do something with it, right? We'll make a rug out of it, right? We'll make a cool ornamental piece that we're going to do it. So, like, like, even if you got just a pet at home, go shave your dog. Go give your cat away. Like, nobody likes cats. Uh, like, shave your guinea pig. Whatever, man. Like, just, he, here's what Moses was doing. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a role. Generosity is not something just for rich people. Or you may say, well, you know, I, I don't have a job. I'm working a minimum wage job, or I'm in school working a part-time job. I don't have a lot of money. I, like, I'll, I'll give, and I'll be generous later, you know, when I stockpile, and my 401K gets, gets big, and my bank account grows a little bit. And Moses is like, nah, everybody. Everybody can do it. Not everybody's going to give the same, but everybody can participate. Everybody can get plugged in. Everybody can feel like they are part of the team. And that's one of the ways that we worship as we bring our treasure to God. Now, I want to remind you of something. Like, it's, not like, it's not like God ran out of money. It's, it's not like God couldn't have just done all of this himself. He's thinking about it. This was the God that parted the Red Sea. Something tells me that a God that can do the ten plagues, part the Red Sea, and make bread rain down from heaven can build a tent on his own. But he doesn't. He could have snapped his fingers and said, boom, there's your tent. Enjoy it. Come on inside and worship. But he didn't. Why? Because he wanted us to be a part of it. He wanted you to feel like you were part of the family. There was something that you were contributing. We were all coming together as an act of worship unto the Lord. So whether it's with your time or with your treasure, Moses said, to the whole community. To the whole community. That's who I'm talking to. Verse 10, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. Listen to this. Here's the building project list. You ready? The tabernacle, with its tent and its coverings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. Okay, so everybody in the room, construction. Anybody know how to do construction? You know how to frame a house? I'm going to need you over here. Left-hand side, we're going to start here. If that's you, you have a role here. You have a place here. Uh, verse uh, 12, the ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it. Right, so now, now we're talking about the roof of it. We're going to have some cloth. So if you're a roofer, if you know how to nail a shingle, this is you. You're going to be over here in this section. you got a part to play, no matter what your skill set is. Verse 13, the table with its poles and its articles and the bread of the presence. Hey, we're going to have bread every day as a part of our worship. Bakers, let me hear you. 
Bakers in the house. Cookies, cakes, bakes, everything. If you're good in the kitchen, we're meeting back here in the back. All the bakers are going to be in the back. That's how you're going to contribute. That's your treasure, like your, your Pinterest, your TikTok recipes. That's you. You're in the back. We got a place for you here. You can use that here. Uh, verse 14, the lampstand that is for the light with its accessories, lamps and oil for the light. Any electricians in the house? Do you know how to put two wires together? Do you know what two wires not to touch together? I don't, and so I'm not going to be on that team. But listen, if you know how to change a light bulb, if you know how to plug a lamp in, if you know how to run the wires without having to turn the power to the entire house off, like me, then that's you. we got to figure out how to light this place up, man. So we got some lights. Electricians, you're going to be in the back corner. Meet, like find your leader over here. Verse 15, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance of the tabernacle. So now, now we got the furniture builders, right? We're going to have some tables. we got some chairs. There's going to be a little entryway. It's going to be a little cute little entryway. Everybody's going to love it when they come in. They're going to be like, oh, there's an entryway. That's great. Come in. There's going to be used for weddings. Probably it's going to be cutesy like that. And uh, so, hey, if you know how to do that, if you're a cabinet maker, if you know how to build tables, if you've ever bought a piece of furniture from Ikea and it took you less than an hour to put it together, you're it. That's on. This is your team. You meet over here. You, you have a role here. Uh, verse 16, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its pole and all its utensils, the bronze basin with the stand. Any metal workers in here, right? Any welders, all right? So we're going to have some tables, and these tables are going to go on stage. They're going to be the fancy tables, right? And so we're going to cover them in bronze. We're going to hammer that metal out. It's going to look really great. This is what God's command is to So metal workers, welders, you're going to be over here on the, on the other side. The curtains of the courtyard with the posts and the bases and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard. Shout out interior decorators. We need some curtains in here. We want it to look good, okay? Not trashy, good, all right? So if you got an eye for that, if you know how to match fabrics and you know like how many pillows is too many on the couch and how many are perfect, rugs. We got some goat hair back here. Let's make a rug out of it. Right? If that's you, place for you, right? Great. Interior designers, big shout out. We need you. Verse 18, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard and the road. Like, we're down to where like we need X amount of tent pegs. Who's the detail person? Like Every peg has to have this amount of rope and these amount of tents to, to hold it all together. Verse 18, verse 19, the woven garments warned for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Hey, preacher needs a fly robe, okay? Any fashion designers in the house? You got an eye for that? You like to shop at Marshall's? You like to find deals? You a hustler in the mall? You. That's a gift here. You want to do that. We have a role for you here. There's a spot for you. All of these different things, again, Moses is saying, whatever your gift is, you can use it here. It's not just about who can sing or who can play an instrument or who can talk. It's not just about who can be downstairs watching kids. It's not just about who can stand outside and with a smile on their face and welcome people when they're walking. Every single person has a gift and a talent. And so Moses says, why don't you use your gift and your talent for God? And here's something crazy that, that happens for us. Oftentimes, we will take the gifts and the talents that we have that God has given us, and we will use them in every other environment except here. Isn't that crazy? Like we'll have school teachers that'll say, look, I, I teach school Monday through Friday. Kids are my calling. Kids are my gift. 
uh, but don't ask me to watch kids on Sunday. Because <laughs> I do that all during the week. It's like, wait, God gave you a gift and a calling, and, and you want to use it everywhere else except to get people to Jesus? So, yeah, well, I'm a carpenter, so like, if something breaks at a church, don't call me, because that's what I do all the time. Uh, I'm a banker, so I don't, I don't want to help with the bookwork or bookkeeping or anything like that at church because I have to do that Monday through Friday, and so I don't want to do it here. Like So many people, they don't want to take the job that they do during the week and actually leverage it for the kingdom of God on the weekends. And it's like, wait, you want to use that everywhere else? What are you doing with what God has given you, the talents, the gifts, whatever you're good at, your passions? How are you, you, I know how you're using it to make a dollar during the week. How are you using it to get people to Jesus? Moses said, every single person here has an opportunity. There's not a single person that can say, well, I just don't really have a gift. I, don't, I can't do anything. I'm not good at anything. There's nowhere for me to fit in. He says again, everyone is going to have an opportunity. We worship with our time. We worship with our treasure, and we worship with our talents, our gifts, our abilities, the skill set that God has given us. Last thing that I want to bring to your attention, kind of ties it all together. It's a phrase that is used throughout this chapter that, that I want to make sure I emphasize. Here's what Moses says multiple times. Everyone who was willing. That's what he used to describe the people that would join the team. That's what he was, everyone that was willing. Check out that phrase, everyone who was willing. Here's the verses, verse 5, it it appears for the first time. Everyone who was willing is to bring to the Lord an offering to the Lord. Verse verse 21, uh, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord. Verse 22, all who were willing, men and women alike. Verse 26, and all the women who were willing and had the skill. Verse 29, all the Israelite men and women who were willing. There's that idea. God says this, when it comes to worship, here's what brings it all together. The fourth man, maybe the most important point is this. When we worship, we have to worship with the right heart. God is not just standing and saying, hey, give me money. God isn't saying, just give me time. God isn't saying, like, just give me your talents. Like, I don't care. Like, you can cry all you want to. You can complain all you want to. But you're going to give it to me. My hand's right here. That's not how God works. Even Jesus says, we read this throughout the New Testament, that, that the, Lord gives a, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Not, not a reluctant giver. Not a generous giver. Not, not the biggest giver. He loves the giver that has the right heart, that has a joy behind it. And so when, when Moses, over and over, he's standing in front of the people, he says, yeah, we're going to talk about giving, we're going to talk about serving, we're going to talk about worship, but here's the deal. I'm looking for the people who have a willing heart. I'm not looking for the people that feel guilty or feel obligated to do it. I don't want to force you to do it. I don't want you to do it with a bad attitude. I'm asking you to understand who God is and what he's done for you, and then respond. Respond accordingly. I'm going to do a quick survey. I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes, okay? Uh, I want to close your eyes, and if this is you, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking but me and a few other people that are peeking. Um, Quick question, really, really deep, important spiritual question. When you pick up a to-go order at a restaurant, are you supposed to tip? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're supposed to tip. Okay, okay, put your hands down. All right, eyes back open. I didn't really, I thought you were supposed to tip. 
But here's the thing. Here's what I realized. Like, when COVID happened, a lot of to-go orders were happening. Um, you couldn't eat inside. And so I would go, and uh, honest to goodness, I felt pressure. You ever felt pressure to tip? You ever been standing at the cash register, and uh, they ring up your order, and it's a to-go order. It's a to-go order. You're not sitting at a table. They're not serving you a drink. It's a to-go order. And they hand you the receipt, and they say, uh, yeah, yes, sir, uh, Mr. Klein, can you fill this out? And I'm right there in front of me. They're looking at you. Like they don't, it's not like they walk away when it's time to fill out the tip. They're looking at you. And so I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay, total, $30. Tip. It's a, it's a to-go order. What is it worth getting that box from that counter to right here? Tip. And like I look up and they're looking at me. They're like, tip, right? You, need, you can fill that in. And uh, honestly, I break down. Like I will get every to-go order that I ever do, I end up giving like at least a 10% tip. I don't want to, uh, but it's pressure. Like I don't want to. I want to say, you didn't do anything to get that box from here to there. If you'd have brought it out to my car, I would have tipped you. Like if you'd have brought it to my house and set the table, I would have tipped you. Like, if you'd have given me a free drink while I waited, I would have tipped you. But this is a to-go order. But, I, but there's just something about that line that says, tip, I cannot leave it blank. Like, no matter how little they did, I cannot leave it blank. The worst thing is there's a restaurant by my house that we go to, and when you, when you pay the bill at the, at the cash register, they don't print the receipt. They ask you, they say, would you like to leave a tip? Because they're going to input it in, and then they'll print your final receipt. And so they're putting me on the spot now. Now I went to public school in South Carolina. I'm not good at math. And so they're asking me, they're like, did you like to leave a tip? And I'm just like, well, yeah, but I'd like to have a piece of paper so that I can do the math on it because I don't have a calculator. There's a long line of people behind me waiting on, like, what is this guy trying to do? And they're like, well, you just tell me the tip. I'm like, whoa, how much was the, ta- how much was the tab? And they're like, $30. And, man, I'm on the spot. I can't do math. I can't do percentages and 20% tip. And so... Like, they're staring at me. They're like, like, he's tapping the machine. Tip, sir, tip, sir, tip, sir. Would you like to leave a tip, sir? And the people behind me are like, what's wrong with this guy? Why can't, does he not know how to do math? Did he go to school in South Carolina? Like, why is he wrong? And like, because I, I cannot tell you how many 42% tips I have given on a to-go order because I can't do math. Like, m- lots of money being thrown away. Like, it's a $30 tab. And it was like, tip, sir, tip. I'm like, uh, $14, $14? That sounds great. Sure. What, what's that total? How don't I just print it out? And I walk away defeated. I'm like, nah, man, how much money have I lost because I did not pay attention in math? It's all about guilt and shame, and they're putting you on the spot. And I love how Moses alleviates that in this text. God isn't a God saying, you want to leave a tip? You want to leave a tip? How much are you going to put in the plate? He's not shaking the plate in front of you. <laughs> how much you want to leave? How much you want to leave? You know how much I've done for you? How much you want to leave? He doesn't look over your shoulder with your schedule out at the beginning of the week and say, how much are you going to give to me? How many hours? How many hours? Oh, Monday, none. Hmm, okay, what about Tuesday? None too. Okay, all right, well, what's next? How much do you love me? How much do you love me? Moses says, I want you to give, and I want you to serve, and I want you to be a part of the family out of a willingness of your own heart. No obligation, no pressure, nothing like that. Because he said that, that's the kind of sacrifice that God is looking for. That's the kind of true, authentic worship that God has for us. So for some of you, this may be weird. Uh, like, 
pastor talking about money or time or, and she's like, this is the reason why I stopped going to church. Um, and wow, the first time I've been to church in a long time and the dude's talking about money and uh, bringing gold and goat hair to, to the service next week. What kind of church is this? Well, I want to alleviate some of that pressure uh, for you as well. And I'll, I'll tell you some practical things even that, that our church believes um, because this is what we believe scripture teaches us. You can pull out that offering uh, envelope at the front, uh, um, right there in the seat back in front of you, and you'll see it written on the top that we want you to pray about what God would have you to give and just give that. It's not a, I know how much money you have and this better be a good offering. <laughs> it's not every single time you step in here, you better make sure something goes in this envelope. And I will catch the people that are pulling the blank envelopes in there just to make sure they put something in there. No. You pray about what God would want you to do and then give that. That's all we want. That's all we're asking. Pre-COVID, I don't know if you remember this, pre-COVID, we used to pass the offering baskets uh, to everybody. And, like, and there would be guest services, people would walk down the aisles. And um, so we decided with COVID, that's eh, probably not a good thing. Hundreds of people touching that basket in the same place and, and passing it down. And so we put the offering baskets in the back. Well, um, this is not just a, a thing for Revo, but this is a, like a, a, a nationwide thing. Um, that statistics show that if you pass a literal basket, you will uh, receive more uh, donations. And so sure enough, over the season of COVID where we stopped passing the baskets, uh, like in-house donations went down. And so we started to think about that. I wonder why when we pass the baskets, people give more money. And the only thing that I could think of is guilt. Like, man, maybe for you it's awkward when somebody else puts something in the basket and they hand it to you. And you grab it and you're ready to pass it on, but the person beside you is like, Or the guy or the gals on the end of the row and they, they're looking as the, the row thing comes down. It's like, oh, they're going to know if I don't put anything in there. And so you feel obligated. And you're like, the only thing I got is a 20. Can I break? Can I make change out of the offering basket? Is that even true? Can you do that? Do I have to put the whole 20 in there or can I get a 10 out, right? I mean, come on, man. It's all I got. And we realize that when we pass the baskets, giving increases. And so a couple of months ago when COVID started to die down, our leadership team got together and said, I'm pretty sure that if we begin to pass the baskets again, then uh, finances and, and giving will increase. And I told the team, because I think that's because people feel obligated and they feel guilt and a little bit of shame if they don't put anything in the plate when it goes by. And so as a leadership team, we decided we were just going to stop passing the baskets altogether. Because having more money doesn't mean anything to me the heart's not behind it. Why? Because that's what God said. It wasn't about who can give the most. It wasn't about how can you increase the donations. God said this, I just want willing people. I just want joyful people. I want people to give of their time and give of their resources with a good heart because I believe God can do more with the giving of a generous person than he can do with a person that gives out of guilt or shame or obligation. So we just said, hey, man, like, like we're going to get a box and screw it to the wall because it looks ghetto back there on a table. I get it. Like, cut me some slack. And so we're going to make it look nice, but we're not going to pass the baskets anymore. Because if that increase in giving is a result of you feeling guilty or feeling obligated to do it, then keep your money. I don't care. God's after the heart. And so when you can give with a cheerful heart, the basket will be back there. 
when you can serve with a cheerful heart, then the door's open. The opportunity will be there. It'll be right there. But we're not going to twist people's arms. We're not going to look down on you. We're not going to call you and say, hey, I noticed you signed the, the membership covenant and you don't attend, give, or serve. What's the deal? You're out of the family. Nope. We're not going to do any of that. Because God was looking for people that would be worshiping him with a faith-filled heart, with a heart in the right place. The motives were true, not just the amount of time and the amount of money or the talents or the skills that they gave. And so if that's what God looks for, then that's what I'm going to look for, even if that means fewer volunteers and fewer people giving. I don't care. God's always taking care of us. He's looking for the heart, and that's what I want to challenge you with this morning too. How's your heart? Your worship of God. Think about all that he has done for you. And I want to ask you, when it comes to your time, when it comes to your talent, and when it comes to your treasure, are you responding in an appropriate way based on what God has done for you? Let me pray for you. God, thanks for not being a God that constantly looks over our shoulder, that shames us for not doing enough that doesn't make us jump through religious hoops to impress you. God, thank you for looking at the people that give a lot and looking at the people that give a little and that you look at the same thing. You look at their heart. You look at their motive behind it. You look at their attitude. You look as to whether or not we can give joyfully. You don't play favorites with people that write big checks. You don't care for the people that give more of their time or block off more of their calendar to serve you during the week. You love us all the same. You've got a plan and a purpose for each one of us. So God, thank you for the invitation to be a part of the team. Thank you for the invitation to respond to you in worship with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. So God, I pray that even right now, you would begin to make it very clear to us the next step that you're calling us to a way that we could respond that would be appropriate for the things that you have done, the love that you have shown, the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that you have given us in our life. God, may our worship be worthy of the one that we pray to right now. Ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.